You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, welcome into the program on, gee, uh, it's chilly, my friends. December 19th, 2022. Baby, it is cold outside, and if we think it's cold right now here in Alabama, just wait. The low Friday is 14, come on now. That's Lars Anderson, Nebraska weather. Uh, that is not Alabama. But anyway, brace for it, be aware of it, plants, children, um, elderly, uh, pets particularly, uh, be careful, get them indoors. Um, so, uh, we've got that coming up and I think North Alabama may actually still have, um, an opportunity for snow, uh, but not very much, but here, I think the main thing, what I just said, and then, uh, you, you gotta keep your faucets on. Yeah. You don't want them to man, pipes freezing and bursting is just horrible. So don't go through that. All you got to do these days, go online. I know it helps to keep the faucet dripping, but there are other ways to do this as well. So take precautions uh, because all it's going to do this week is just get colder and colder and colder. This morning when I got up, walked outside, I went, wow. It felt like it was literally freezing. It was 43. So um, it is very, very cold. Uh, and let's put that first and foremost. Meanwhile, uh, yes, and we'll talk sports here, but it, it's over the holidays, and we had a bunch of bowl games over the weekend, some pretty decent basketball, and yesterday in the NFL might have been the craziest day I've ever seen. Did you see how the Patriots lost? They don't, I say yesterday, what about Saturday? I'm driving around trying to do some shopping, Actually, what I do is I get in the car, I drive around, I start to shop, and then I immediately start thinking of other things I can do. Oh, look, there's Salvatore's. I want a Stromboli. Um, But I'm still slowly but surely getting it done. But I was tuned in to local radio, and I found the Vikings and the Colts. And I flip over there, and it's just before the half, and they give the score. And I say, that's not right. It's got to be the other way around. But the score was 33-0 Colts. Jeff Saturday, new coach, don't know, may know now. So the Colts outscored the Vikings in the first half, 33-0. Then here comes Minnesota. They outscore Indianapolis 39-3 to win the football game. And then there was the Bengals. And let's bring in Lars Anderson to talk about your Bengals. Joe Burrow and Tom Brady stepping up on a podcast and saying that Cincinnati's defense was fairly tough. Well, then they turn around and force him into three, let's see, four total, three, two picks and two fumbles. So, Lars, did you watch that with great interest? I did indeed. And uh, Tampa Bay played their best half of football 
uh, in the first half. I mean, they they were they looked like sort of the Tampa Bay team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, Brady was pushing the ball down the field with accuracy. He hasn't done that much this year. He, he's done a lot of sort of underneath stuff, crossing routes, um, but uh, he was playing really well. And Tampa's defense was was excellent. Um, their corner, Carlton Davis, man, he just stuck to Jamar Chase in one-on-one. I, I haven't seen a, a corner play that well against Jamar Chase since Chase entered the NFL. But a key, key moment was uh, at the end of the first half, Bengals decide to go hurry up. They're down 17-0, and they march down the field and, and, and kick a field goal. And, you know, I've always sort of gone back and forth on, is momentum a real thing? And, uh, you know, because you, you, can't, you can't touch it, you can't feel it. Uh, well, actually, maybe you can feel it uh, in, your, in your heart, but uh, you can't uh, reach out and grab it. But, uh, man, every Bengals player after that game was saying that they had momentum going into halftime. They had played really poorly in the first half, um, and, uh, and, and that really propelled them. And then they just waited for Brady, uh, just made mistake after mistake after mistake, and he looked every bit the 45-year-old that he is. Um, and, and Cincinnati, uh, their defensive coordinator, Lou Aroma, Anaroma, he he basically just started rushing three guys, dropping eight, and and forcing Brady to try to just take the underneath stuff. And Brady didn't want to do that, and they were able to get pressure with three, and uh, that led to the two interceptions, led to two fumbles, and uh, or sorry, one of the fumbles was on special teams. They had they were going to attempt a fake punt. But uh, Giovanni Bernard, who is the uh, the up man in the punt formation, uh, wasn't expecting the ball, and that was the first of uh, of their many gaffes. And and really, just they handed the Bengals the game. I mean, Cincinnati did not play very well. Uh, but the thing is, the Bucks are in a bad division that they're going to be. <laughs> they still have a chance to not just make the playoffs, Matt, but host a playoff game with potentially a losing record. Something not right about that, unless you're a Tampa fan. But um, Brady got a handed back to him. By the way, the cornerback uh, that you were referring to with the Bucks, Carlton Davis, he's an Auburn guy. And, you know, I don't remember him being an uh, – I think he was all SEC, but don't remember him being uh, the big woo and all that. But, man, he has turned into one of the most reliable – corners in all of the NFL, and he proved it yesterday, as you said, uh, by shutting down Chase for a little while. Meanwhile, uh, did you see how the Patriots lost? What a, That just looks so un-Belichick. Uh, it looks like they're going to overtime. Uh, they dump it off, and then they try a reverse pass, and it ends up getting picked off by the Raiders, and God just steamrolls. Mac Jones, who's trying to make the tackle, and goes into the end zone for a very improbable loss. But that was crazy. The Vikings coming back was crazy. And now tonight, you have got the Rams and Packers. Biggest news as far as our state is concerned over the weekend uh, likely occurred, uh, I guess, Friday, Friday afternoon, evening, when Will Anderson, Jr., and Bryce Young, 
decided that they are indeed going to play versus K-State. Did that surprise you, Lars Anderson? Yes, very much. I actually, I don't, I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a wise decision. Um, there's just too much at stake. And I, and I know that they have uh, insurance policies and, and, and all this, but uh, you just, you've seen it happen too many times. I mean, one is too many times. And we've, we've talked about Jake Butts, uh, uh, the um, uh, former tight end from Michigan who uh, suffered a really bad knee injury. And it was, and that was in the orange bowl as well. Um, if I was advising them, I would say sit out. Uh, and also, I mean, in a sense, it'd almost be better for Alabama if they did, because at quarterback, you, you, you're going to be going against a, 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 a good K-State defense, live bullets, and need to, Alabama needs to see what they have in Milrow, and especially they need to see what they have in Ty Simpson. And this could have been a, a really good opportunity for that. But I know people will admire them for for doing this and, and sort of bucking the trend, but uh, I, I just I, I frankly think that they they put in enough work. Their whole lives have been building to this moment of uh, entering the NFL draft and generating generational wealth. I mean, not not just you know, it's like your your kids, 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 kids will be financially set if you are smart with your money. And um, I, I just if it, if it was my son, uh, Matt, I would advise Lincoln not to play in that game. What if he said no? Well, then it, it, that's his call. But uh, right. I just I don't I, I don't I don't throw a lot of shade on them here. I really don't. They want to play. Let them play. Uh, they're grown men. If they decide they want to play, they're risking the injury. They want to play for the old crimson and white one more time. I say, way to go! Um, and I know there's a, there's a risk injury, but we always refer to one injury. Have there been others? Uh, Jalen Smith, uh, Notre Dame. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, quite a few others that are sort of you know maybe not first round. I would disagree. Picks, but... I have not heard of quite a few others. I've not. I mean, and I'm not busting your chops on this. Uh, I guess uh, Matt Corral got injured. Is that right? I don't know. Did he get injured in his bowl game? Um, I don't know. Uh, and I, I understand what you're saying, and, and I particularly understand the chance for Alabama's quarterbacks to get some more reps. But if they want to play, let them play. Um, I, I wish them well, and I hope they lead Alabama to victory. That's no, I, Matt, Matt I, I agree with you on that. I'm just saying if, if I were advising them, not that they would ever want my advice, but if it was my son, I'd advise him not to play. Yes, I think it is the honorable thing to play because you are honoring your commitment that you made to the University of Alabama. But at the same time, what's the risk reward here? I mean, it, it is it, it is a it, it is uh, the reward is is it's nice, but you're not going to win a national championship. Uh, and the, the 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 risk is is immensely high. So uh, again, just out of practice, out of practicality, I would say don't play. But uh, there, I, it is an admirable thing to do. I just don't know if it's the smart thing to do. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm kind of, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I, I do. I know. And, and when I was, I was reading the opinions, and m- many of them are like yours. Particularly, uh, there is a large segment that wants to see Ty and. 
and um, Monroe play, Milrow, and I do too. But when it's all shakes out and say these guys want to play, let them play. And I, I, I realize you feel that way too. They're grown men. They make their decisions. By the way, they held a news conference, the two of them did, about an hour ago. And we'll hear their actual thoughts when we get back on this side of the break. And also, I read something yesterday online that popped my eyes on Hugh Freeze and what he is doing at Auburn University as far as he flipped a player that I didn't think was going to flip, and I've seen him play. And, man, he is is big time the high school level. Uh, And if he's anywhere near that good at the college level, it may be one of the biggest flips that Hugh Freeze has done. Matt, I, I think uh-huh. I think Hugh Freeze has already done more in the recruiting trail in about two months than the former <laughs> Auburn coach Brian Harson did. And uh, I also want to really break down that final play of the Raiders Patriots. And did, Matt, did you know it was on the 40 year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception? No, I now no, I didn't know that. That's actually kind of cool. All right, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, and Kristen Miller back, and I'll tell you about that Auburn flip. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Christmas is perfect for getting engaged. You guys know there's no way you're getting through the holidays without going to at least one dinner party at our family's place. Uh, and when you get there... Night and tomorrow, cloudy and cold. A few periods of light rain are likely. The low tonight, 37. The high tomorrow at 46. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. the best um, you know it's someone that, that, that that's someone I consider my brother um, not just on the field but off the field um, you know that's that's someone that I have a, a tremendous amount of love and respect for um, and you know just being able to see him come in every single day and, and work put in the work he does day in and day out um, be a leader for us to, to lead the team uh, physically and emotionally um, you know really just to be the heart and soul of this team um, and you know it's been that for 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 years now and again us coming in the same time in, in January um, 2020 uh, it's it's you know it's you know we've we we're, we're again super close on and off the field and um, you know just the journey we've had all that we've able been uh, to, to go through together um, all we've been able to to do and to accomplish um, you know I don't take that for granted so um, you know I've, I've, it's been a blessing and an honor to, to to call Will my teammate and my brother for these for these years and I'm, I'm just I'm excited that I, I get to go out there yes Will uh, we talked to Coach Saban earlier particular pro that that resonated with you and if there was one kind that made you uh, maybe pause well, for me, it really wasn't about the pros and cons. I know that I feel like that's a more private conversation for you know me and coach that we talked about. But for me, it was all just about the leadership and being here for the team. And you know, I've been preaching so much over these last two years um, about you know how to do things the right way, with the standard around here, and um, how to uplift the standard and how to uphold the standard. And you know, it just wouldn't be right for me just to walk out on my teammates. And um, you know, 
I think that's a big reason why I decided to play in this game and be with those guys. Hey, you know uh, who else I thought about is going to be very, very happy that they made this decision? The television network. I mean, it, that game's a lot more attractive with them playing to just, you know, your average run-of-the-mill daily college football fan. Uh, and then for the ones that really love the game, they're really going to love watching them play one more time in Crimson and White as, uh, you know what, I bet they'll sell a few more tickets as a result of this announcement. I want to get Christian Miller's thoughts on this because I guess there might have been a time where, well, now you were always playing for national championships, so this was really never an option for you. But what do you think about their decision not to play, to play, I should say, in the Sugar Bowl? Well, I think, you know, they, they took the time to, to really um, discuss it with their family and, and, and their friends and, and their coaches. And ultimately, they, they came up with the best decisions for themselves, as you heard them say. And I think it's just a, an opportunity for them to further cement their legacy in the program. You know, it was an ab- admirable and respectable decision on their part. Um, you know, and, and look, I think of it this way. You mentioned the TV deals. I wouldn't be surprised if they received some big NIL deals for playing in the game. So that's an added bonus. And realistically, again, these guys have insurance policies. If they were to get hurt, both of these guys are projected top five, really top three picks. If they were to get hurt, I don't see them dropping out of the top 15, even with them being injured, because they are that talented. So with that being said, I know that still is, you know, it translates to millions of dollars. However, I think the money that they'll make by, you know, playing in the game and showcasing their talent, and I think that'll make up for some, even if they were to potentially drop, which I highly doubt would be the case. And uh, just, just, if I'm being honest with you, I, I just feel like I feel like they made the best decision for them and their teammates. You know, like Will just mentioned that, you know, he almost owes it to his teammates. You know, he's he's practicing what he's preaching. And that's, you know, being accountable, being a dependable uh, teammate. And uh, he just wants to play one last time with his brothers. And look, these guys will have long careers in the NFL, but they'll never be able to put on a crimson jersey ever again. This is the last time they'll get to do that. So I think. I really respected that they're embracing that, and uh, it's very sentimental to them to put on that crimson uniform because it truly is a special thing to do. Yeah, um, I, I very much agree, um, and am glad to see it. And uh, like I just said, it's going to make the game more interesting for Bama fans, and certainly uh, more interesting for a lot of other people as well. Uh, and I don't even want to say this; I guess I am. But man, if one of them goes down, it is really going to suck. But uh, Christian, your points uh, uh, about, I guess, what I'll call a revenue stream, I never thought about them getting a special NIL for just one game, but I guess that's as legal as the rest of this Wild Wild West is, so that's not an issue, and I'm I'm sure Lloyd's of London is probably packing about a $20 million uh, uh, you know, insurance policy on them, although I do wonder, what do you think the premium is on a Let's say a ten million dollar insurance policy of that nature. Hey, they would nope. down five grand and hey, they're good. I bet each of their agents would happily pay that premium. Somebody oh, will. Really good point too. <laughs> they're gonna. They're about to make their uh, agents a lot of money. Uh, so yeah, I, I think. I, I honestly, I do believe it's been my understanding that. Uh, the the agent normally covers the premium, but um, anyway, neither here nor there. So, what what do you have for us on uh, Auburn front, Matt? Um, I was you know I did some high school games for my good buddy Adam Stocks over in East Alabama, 
And I did one in which Munford played Lincoln. By the way, in Talladega County, that's known as the game. Um, They're about 11 miles apart. They don't like each other very much. But I'd heard about this safety they had named Sylvester Smith. And he played a lot bigger than it says here uh, where he's six foot uh, 195. But uh, there were two Tennessee coaches there watching him. He had already committed. Um, he is such a remarkable athlete that their quarterback got injured. They put him in at quarterback, and he just ran all over Lincoln. And then at safety, uh, I think it was the fourth or fifth play of the game, he read a play and picked off a pass. Uh, he was as impressive a football player at the high school level I've seen all year. Well, guess what? He has turned down Heupel and the Orange Volunteers. Hugh Freeze flipped him. And, you know, it's one thing when a player commits, oftentimes, as Tennessee did, you keep on him. And they had coaches going to his high school games and staying on him. And yet Hugh Freeze still flipped him. And he's flipping and recruiting. And I think Lars put it perfectly at the beginning of the show that maybe he's done more in, what, two weeks for Auburn as far as boosting their roster than uh, than Harson did in a year and a half. So he is yeah. making a lot of noise down there. Uh, yeah, 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 he is. He is. And it, it's a very tough situation that he's in because the, the window that he has to go sell himself and his coaching staff and the Auburn program is so small between from when he was hired to uh, the, the, you know, the, the national signing day. But uh, he's flipped, I think, four players now just in the last week. Auburn's up to 14 commits, and I know it doesn't sound like a big number when you compare it to Alabama. Alabama may end up with 30 or so, um, and we're going to be talking to Andrew Bone uh, here in the second hour, uh, talk all things recruiting with him. But, uh, I, I, but as of now, I mean, Auburn is climbing up in the rankings, and it just feels, Christian, that, you know, there was controversy, obviously, around the Hugh Freeze fire or the Hugh Freeze hire, excuse me. Um, but all of that has sort of melted away, right? And and now I think everybody's just sort of focusing on, my goodness, this guy can recruit. And and there were so and we got so many reports of high school coaches in Alabama who had never met Brian Harson face to face. And, you know, I think Freeze, is, he's gotten in his car and did exactly what uh, Harson should have done, just going around from, to high school to high school, uh, forming relationships. And, you know, there's so much talent in the state of Alabama uh, that y- you you always want to sort of, you know, solidify your home base in a 250-mile radius or so. And I know it's very difficult with the Crimson Tide just being up the road. But uh, – I, I, Christian, I, I'm just very, very impressed with what Hugh Freeze has done in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing you said there was forming relationships. And, you know, obviously Hugh Freeze has some work to do, you know, trying to fill in for what, you know, Brian Harson kind of left them with. But, um, yeah, you know, I think he's done a really good job, you know, getting those relationships going and, and, and getting on the road and really trying to find those guys that really want to retired or nearing retirement and concerned about how you're going to replace your lost income once you're no longer working? Are you potentially facing a layoff and not sure if you've got enough money to last? 
What are you going to do about the fact that taxes are on sale? If you are working, how much longer do you need to work? What lifestyle is sustainable once you retire? Hi, this is Tad Hill, the host of the Retire with Freedom radio show, and our retirement planning process answers all of these questions. And right now we are hosting a free retirement course that walks you through exactly how to answer these questions for yourself and your family. I strongly registered for the next course by calling or texting 205-988-0006, 205-988-0006. That's 988-0006. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Boxmore. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The world is always on. She's my sweet little baby. I'm a little lover boy. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Match Coulter along with Christian Miller and Lars Anderson. And we're joined now. Uh, I'll just seriously say one of my good friends, one of my good buddies. Worked uh, in and around him as a reporter when he was a coach at Auburn. And then we were in the same studio for many, many years. But Sonny Smith is now also acting as the color analyst on the Auburn Network for basketball. Sonny, how are you? Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Matt. Hope you're doing well. I'm just trying to stay warm. It's going to get really, really cold. So uh, we'll deal with that. Hey, uh, I listened a little bit uh, to the USC game, and it was very uncharacteristic of Auburn. Um, A lot of fouls and a lot of turnovers. Was it just one of those bugaboo games? It's called going to the West Coast. I expected the officiating (laughs) to be... I expected the fishing to be worse than it actually was, but they what they did they picked their spots and and uh, changed the way that they're officiating. It might sound crazy, but if you notice how they start the start of the second half, uh, fouls occurring all over the place, and then you're going to let them play for a while. But uh, when you make a trip that far away, first thing you do is adjust the officiating, and uh, we didn't do that real well. Coach, uh, USC got called for 15 fouls. Auburn got charged with 25 during the, the game. Now, whenever yeah, I see that's, something that's about like average. that. That's about average for going that far. Okay. Can you break this down? Because it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because, I mean, don't officials – it's not like you want it to be almost 50-50. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just – I don't understand how there could be such a disparity. Well, the thing that ju- will jump out at you if you watch closely when you're going is uh, the the plays that they make uh, or the calls that they make. Uh, you think, well, that's that. You could say they're cheating. They're not. They just change the way they call for short periods of time, and that's when foul troubles occur, like the start of the second half or the start of the game. That they'll say, "Well, we're trying to get control of the game." Uh, but uh, you end up in foul trouble because you don't make adjustments. And uh, I, I certainly thought this, this started a little bit of that in the USC game. 
Coach, what do you expect uh, from the Auburn program, you know, heading into, you know, more SEC play? You know, the only two losses are non-conference so far. So what do you expect from them, uh, you know, in some more SEC games coming up? I think it's still yet to be known. And the reason I say that is I think as soon as we find a go-to score or two go-to scores that you can go to for the big shot, or you can go to for the end of a half, end of, uh, or something like this, overtime type of stuff. Quick as somebody steps up and becomes the go-to guy. It could be two people. It could be one. But I, I, I think we've got a solid basketball team. We've got five guys that can play. We've got guys that can come off the bench and replace, and you don't lose a lot. But I, I, if you had to think of it, who are you going to go to for that big shot late in the game? Uh, or late at the end of a half or something like that. And I think quick as we establish that, uh, you know, I thought it would be, I thought Wendell Green might be the one that would step up and do that. Well, the Wendell sprains his ankle or something, and we weren't seeing the real Wendell Green in, in the game at, uh, at USC. But we've seen him all through the years, so he's not, he's willing to take a big shot. And uh, I, I don't know that other guy's been designated. You know, uh, Williams is Jason is, is a guy that that's one of probably our best shooter, but he never demands the ball. I think if uh, we find somebody that can score the ball that demands the ball in, in, in closing situations of a half or a big shot before timeouts, that type of thing, uh, I uh, I don't think we've established that person yet. Sonny, I've just got a ask a quick scheduling question um you guys were in los angeles this weekend as am i reading this right do you turn around and go back to seattle washington uh well, they tomorrow? stayed out there but they th- yeah they stayed okay. out there but they went up uh, up from there and uh I, I i i would think that 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 scheduling right there was a recruiting type scheduling We'll take you all over the country. We'll play people that uh, that's uh, well known, that type of thing. You got to do a little bit of that, but it's awful tough on the players, especially when you go all the way to the West Coast. I've done that before, and I paid for it a couple of times too. Excuse me, Coach. Uh, last year, you were able to get a front row seat to see Jabari Smith, uh, just such an excellent young player. And now I uh, don't know if you've had a chance to uh, to see Brandon Miller play, but on Saturday he was just looked like just an absolute superstar. Uh, scored a career high thirty six in the in the losing uh, effort against the Gonzaga. But uh, I just love to get your thoughts on Brandon Miller and uh, how good can he be? If I'd have compared him to, let's say, to start of the game or a game or two before this, I would have said Jabari is a, is a better player as a freshman. Boy, after watching that guy in the second half, Miller is just outstanding, and he's an athlete to go along with it. He can create his own shot. He uh, wherever he, where he shoots a ball from doesn't seem to put him in any type of strain to get it up there. Uh, he's a, he's an excellent athlete. He defends well. I tell you, he's going to be a star in this league, barring injury, illness, or something like that. I really like his game. Hey, Coach, uh, you talk a little bit of Alabama. When I watch the teams that I've seen so far this year, 
there are times I think Alabama may be the best team or at least have a chance to be top four, final four. But is this one of those years where we, we really may not know if it's Purdue? I, I like Houston a lot, but uh, aren't there like eight or ten teams right now that I think could win it all? Well, I'm like you. Uh, Houston's the best I've seen, but I don't think they stand out that much above every, uh, of the other top teams. Right. Uh, I think that I think there's a number of people up there. Uh, you don't want to go to Spokane, Washington, and play anytime soon. There's a team that could. The way they played the other day, uh, they could be a factor in the thing. Houston be a factor, and I, I don't SEC. I think we've got to wait a little bit to start see who kills each other off a little bit to find out who the best team is. I don't believe it's Kentucky right now. Uh, I, I think a lot to be said. It could be uh, somebody else other than Kentucky because we always go to Kentucky first and go up or down from there. And uh, I, I, I haven't seen Kentucky say that they are, they're the top draw right now in our league. I mean, I answered your question there, but uh, I, I got off on it. Yeah. I, I don't know what I must have been thinking. <laughs> Coach, uh, Bruce Pearl has been at Auburn now since 2014, had an immense amount of success. What, what do you think the key, sort of the big picture is on, on, on Coach Pearl? What has been the key to uh, this run of success that he's had at Auburn? You know, a lot. Of, I, I'll tell you, this is something that didn't talked about a lot in Bruce Pearl. A lot of times you have, you got a head coach and he goes out and gets players that fits that coach's system. Bruce Pearl's the kind of guy that just the players that he gets, whether they fit his system or not. I think that's what makes him strong and makes him sometimes sometimes better than other coaches. He adjusts to the players that he's got really well and puts them in positions where they can be successful. A lot of times coaches would say, go out and get me a, a power forward to fit this type of system that I want to put in. He takes what he gets and he fits and he works them into a system that fits them as well as him. He's really good at that. Uh, he, he puts players in position where they can improve and they can get better. Very rarely, unless it's a half two situation, does he put a guy in a position where he doesn't need to be playing. And he's had to do that a couple of times at the post. Because he he has not had uh, post some the post players step up that he thought was going to this year. Broom's got to be Coach, that guy. Be for rem- Coach, I'm I'd sorry. Be, go ahead. Uh, wandering in my duties. No, that's fine. If I didn't ask you a little bit about NASCAR before we let you go, um, you know Kyle has moved. Keselowski moved last year. Um, what are you thinking? Just. Just give me Sonny Smith's version of NASCAR as we go into 2023. Well, I think uh, I think it used to be that uh, the best drivers got the best sponsors, or the owners of those of those drivers got the best sponsors. And I think what's happened right now is drivers are jumping because of they going where the money is, they going where the sponsorships are, and uh, I don't think I don't think uh, that the loyalty. Uh, that we used to find in NASCAR is there. I think you got to go where the money is and the sponsorships is. So I don't think you see drivers just taking over the series and staying in one spot. You know, Joey Logano and some of those are doing that, but uh, you see a little more jumping around than you used to. But with all that said, I think the young drivers in NASCAR 
are so much better coming up now than they were uh, because it's almost they're almost ready when they move them into a car. Who who would be Sonny Smith's best driver on the circuit right now? Well, that that's because I'm so prejudiced towards certain guys. I I, I jump off of that. Uh, a little bit, but I tell you the one I think is going to be is Noah Gregson's going to be one of the biggest when they put him in, when they put him in, in the series. He'll go from uh, being a rookie to being one of the top guys. That's one guy that I think that nobody talks much about because I think he would, he fits his sponsorships and does a great job of selling them as well as driving the car extremely well. He's one of the new ones coming up. And I also think the grandson of Joe Gibbs is going to be another guy that comes into the series and 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 does well right off. But then you, you got to go back to the to the guys that have been there forever. I I think a guy you've always got to look out for is Joey Logano. Is going to always be in a good car in a good position to win races. He's not the only one, but if I had to come up with someone right off the top of my head, he would be the one that I'd say could could be one of the top drivers all, all, all the time. Sonny, you nailed it because I agree with you about Noah and Ty. And you know what else they both possess is the ability to hack people off and not care because uh, they have Boy, done that. that. And right now, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with Joey Logano. I think he could win a couple more championships, don't you? Well, he's always... He's always been able to keep sponsorships. He's always been able to satisfy them. He started out and, and worked his way up, and he's been successful in all series. And uh, right now, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't pass over the great drivers. Denny Hamlin, you know, he go start and yeah. through there. And you find out if he, what, what I do is always pick for the one that I'm for as being the best. But then, then again, there's people that uh, – uh, the the new newcomers are the ones I think are the most dangerous right now. Sonny, my best to Jan and your family, and I hope you have a very blessed Christmas. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Always good to talk to you, man. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, seriously, one of my all-time favorite people. Love that guy. Hey, uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to jump into the NFL again. Uh, was one of the craziest plays we've seen or will hear in a long time. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Have you been naughty or nice this year? Cash don't care. At Jackson Hewitt, you could still get up to $4,500 for the holidays. Some bucks now, more bucks in January. Tonight and tomorrow, cloudy and cold. A few periods of light rain are likely. The low tonight, 37. The high tomorrow at 46. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Newton Sports, Lars, Matt, Christian. Appreciate everybody joining us. 
probably out and about doing your little holiday sh- uh, shopping and so forth. Have you guys done all that, Lars? Have you finished your shopping? No. No, I, I've done uh, the, yeah. the majority of it, but uh, my kids oh, still good. are still working on their uh, Santa Claus wish list. So uh, I still have a little bit more to go. You got How about you, Christian? Kids. That'll last you all. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have too much to do, you know. I don't. I don't have any kids or anything yet. So, got a couple of things I need to get for some people, though. Okay, I am going to try and go this afternoon. But like I said at the be- very beginning of the show, I get motivated enough to get in the car, and then I find a, an excuse to go someplace else. But anyway, um, Lars, we talked briefly about this, and Christian, I know you and anybody that follows sports has seen it maybe watched it live, but as saw saw the way the Patriots lost. It's tied 24, and then it, it's kind of hard to explain. Do we still have the audio? Josh. Josh, do we have the audio of the end of the Raiders and the Patriots game? Do we have that accessible? I'm just producing on area. Uh, Stevenson. Is anyone going to inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh-oh. It's picked off. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I think, Lars... You know, as surprising as the play was, more so is what team did it. it that was Bill Belichick's Patriots. Yeah, uh, it's really uh, you got to feel for Jacoby Myers um, because he was the one who decided to try to throw the ball back to Mac Jones, and 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 Myers, you got to give him credit. He faced the music after the game. He talked to reporters and and just said, you know, I'm trying to make a play and and I should have realized that uh, that it was going nowhere and I should have just dropped down and and go to overtime and fight another day. And um, and then also the fact it was, you know, the, the Raiders and and uh, the Patriots have a pretty rich history playing each other, right? With the the, the Tuck game and. And, and, and now this, and also the fact it was on the 40-year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which was Franco Harris of Pittsburgh Steelers catching one of the most amazing uh, tipped balls in, in NFL history for a playoff win. So it's almost like 40 years later, the football gods are smiling on the Raiders. Uh, a little bit of redemption. Uh, but, yeah, and Mac Jones, you know, Mac Jones, he he, he also sort of uh, took responsibility because he said, you know, I got to I got to be the one to tackle the guy. I got to tackle tackle Chandler Jones. And so, Christian, here, there's a lot of stuff we can a lot of ways to approach this. But uh, can you fault Jacoby Myers, one, for making a play and then two? I think you and Chandler Jones are about the same size. Maybe Chandler might be a little bit bigger. I, I'm not sure. Do you think Mac Jones would have a? You think Mac Jones could tackle you if you're running at him full speed? <laughs> I, I, I don't blame Mac Jones at all. But but uh, but but certainly Chandler Jones just uh, just sort of you know just paved him to the ground. 
Yeah, well, to answer your first point, with all due respect to Jacoby Myers, uh, most definitely I hold him accountable. Um, that was just kind of a careless mistake. Uh, it was unwarranted. Didn't didn't need to do that. You know, they just go down. They go to, to overtime. And, uh, again, it, it boils down to what my high school coach used to call the hero a-hole theory. You know, you go out there and you try to make a play doing something improvised like that. <laughs> and, if you, and, if, and if it's successful, you're a hero. If it fails, you're an a-hole. That's what he used to tell us. So, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, J- Jacoby Myers was on the on the latter side of that. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You know, they can't go back. You know, all they can do is learn from it now. And uh, I know Mac was trying to be accountable, but Chandler Jones is six five, two hundred sixty pounds, and probably has one of the longest wingspans in the NFL. When you get stiff armed like that, I mean, there's not much you can do. But um, just just uncharacteristic of the Patriots. You know, they're normally a very disciplined football team, but Unfortunately, they weren't there on that last play, but they'll definitely learn from that situation. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Lars. Thanks to all of you listening in Anniston, Gadsden, Birmingham, and Tuscaloosa. We still have one more hour. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. Let on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business for visibility? Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. You heard it, Big Noon Sports. Chris Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, appreciate you joining in. Oh, it's chilly today. It's chilly, chilly, chilly. Um, But we're still here warming our hands by the radio fire and talking about several things. We led the first hour. Didn't get a lot uh, uh, from Christian Miller on uh, Young. We did, actually, on uh, Young and Anderson going um, and to play in the Sugar Bowl. Um, can you put yourself in their in their shoes and make a decision there? I think we all know what my decision would be after hearing my my perspectives. But you know, yeah. again, I, I think I think ultimately everybody has a decision to make. If it was me, I would choose to play in it just because I know the significance of putting on that uniform. You'll never be able to go back and and put on a crimson uniform. They, they have long NFL careers ahead of them. They'll play probably double digit seasons in the NFL, um, but they'll never be able to go out there with their brothers uh, in that Crimson Tide uniform ever again. So I would play. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, just realistically, I, I feel like they have a lot to gain. They'll cement their legacy even further in the program. I know they don't owe anybody anything and they don't have anything else to prove, but realistically, um, they're going to earn so much respect and honor by going out there and competing one last time. Um, I, I know personally from experience um, how much you know this this program and this football team means to the this, the state, the people in this community, and uh, I know how much it's going to mean to them for them to be able to support these guys one last time. And uh, I also spoke about that realistically, these guys are top three to top five picks, and. Even, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, uh, I pray they, they have, uh, you know, health and uh, uh, wellness in this game. But um, even if they were to be injured, I truly don't feel that it would affect their stock too much. And if it did, 
fortunately they have their insurance policy. So I, I think they're you heard it from both of them. It wasn't too hard of a decision. They didn't want to sit back at home and just start training. They wanted to be out there with those teammates. You know, these are the guys that they've spent um, countless hours and days and months training with, watching film with, working out with, bleeding with, sweating with, crying with when it didn't go uh, well. So um, I think it's just special to these guys. And, and not to mention, I think it's going to say a lot about their character and their competitive spirit. Um, I think these teams are going to look at them as the ultimate competitors that, hey, these guys are going to go out there and compete. You know, they don't have to go out there in this game, but they're choosing to go out there um, to, uh, to play for their brothers and to play for, um, you know, their pride. So uh, I think um, they, they made the best decision for themselves. And ultimately, I think a lot of people are happy with that decision. Yeah, uh, but I, I would I would echo that. Um, you know, I, I made the point first hour if if my son Lincoln were Bryce Young, I would advise him not to play, but I would understand if he wanted to play, and I'd be proud of him if he wanted to play. But to me, the the practical decision is to sit out, and uh, and and yeah, I I do uh, I certainly applaud both players uh, for opting to uh, stick with their teammates. But um, I, to me, the uh, risk far outweighs the reward. And that's just a, a practical matter. But uh, in a way, Christian, I'm kind of having my cake and eating it, too. <laughs> you know, I admire them for playing. I admire them, the fact that they're playing. But uh, that wouldn't be the advice that I would uh, give someone in that in that situation. Um, you, know, you know, guys, I, I just I got to hit on this really quick. We do not talk soccer very often on this show. But uh, both Christian and I have a background in soccer, and we're kind of soccer geeks. And to me, Christian, the greatest game I've ever seen took place on Sunday morning. It was the the, the World Cup final in Qatar. Uh, Argentina was playing France. And arguably the, the greatest player of all time is Lionel Messi. And he's the star of Argentina and he's 35 years old, and so it's almost like – and he's never won a World Cup, so it's now or never. And there's literally – I mean, there aren't millions of people watching this. I mean, I think it's like over a billion that really, like, tune in and, and pay attention. I, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, it, it's a, it's a, just an outrageous amount of, of the global population uh, tunes into this event. I'm sure it's the most watched event every four years. So in this game – Argentina uh, sort of races out to a, a two nothing lead, and they're up two nothing in the 80th minute. Messi's just brilliant, scores one goal, assists another goal, and and France looks down. I mean, being up two zero in the 80th minute is roughly the equivalent of being up you know 35 to three in a in an NFL game with uh, you know a few minutes left to go, mm. and then suddenly. France uh, scores Mbappe, this player named Mbappe, who I think may emerge now as sort of the, the greatest player in the world once uh, Messi hangs it up. He scores uh, with 80 minutes to, or in the 80th minute, and there's 90 total minutes plus uh, extra time. And then just a minute later, Mbappe scored again. Just he ripped a beautiful shot into the corner of the goal. It's like you blink your eyes and it's it's two to two and everything's on the line here. And then Christian, the 
the action on the field was unlike anything I've seen in my in, in, in my entire life where it was just back and forth, back and forth. I mean, these guys are just sprinting, attack, counterattack, attack, counterattack. And, uh, I mean, you can see just how exhausted they were. End up, each team scores a goal in the 30-minute overtime, comes down to penalty kicks, Argentina wins. But uh, it was, Christian, uh, it was soccer at its best. I, 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 I can't remember seeing a more thrilling soccer match in my life. Lars, I think you nailed it. I mean, it that was... I mean, honestly, probably one of the most exciting sports events in general that I've ever watched. I mean, and people don't give soccer or football enough credit, um, especially here in the States. Um, But, man, it's it's such a special sport. The the amount of talent that it takes to to play soccer, um, it's immense. It's just – and to watch these guys play at such a high level – and you mentioned it, like just them going back and forth. You, you, I was just glued to the screen, and then not to mention the guys that were doing all the all <laughs> all the work were the two greatest players. So it was almost just like a chess match between the two of them. Not to, let's just throw out that they also played for the same club team in uh, Paris Saint Germain. Paris Saint Germain. So it's one of those things that man, I just God, it was it was a special moment because you know Lionel Messi has won every award imaginable. Um, but this, you know, solidified his status as the greatest of all time. This was the only thing that he was missing. That was a World Cup title. And, he and, fought- and if I could interject really quick, uh, Matt, uh, Christian, did it remind you, uh, uh, watching this game, of how far the United States has to go to be a world-class elite team? And I know we did make it out of uh, the group round of play, uh, but then we, we lost uh, in, in the next round. But seeing these two teams play at such a high level, it just re- reinforced that the United States has a ways to go. Absolutely, still. absolutely. You know, you just the the talent gap is still so significant, and and you can just clearly see it. I mean, like you mentioned, just watching these counterattacks and then just the skill. I mean, that that Mbappe goal he that he volleyed in. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And uh, golly, I. I I hope that you know we start putting some more emphasis on um, on soccer here, and hopefully we can you know start to strive to reach you know that level of play that that we see some, from some of these other countries because it, it truly was remarkable. And um, it, again, it's just such a fun sport to watch when you really get into it and you really understand it. And I know it catches a lot of flack because a lot of people see the flopping and they think oh they're they're just being dramatic, but you know it's part of the game. But man, so entertaining and. Uh, if you didn't watch it, I highly suggest you go at least go watch the highlights from it because it truly shows you what what soccer is capable of and it, just the atmosphere and you just hear the energy in the crowd every time someone scores. And Lars, I don't know if you saw this, but France really they really almost won it. I can't remember who it was that 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 that, that save by that keeper. He barely had a, a, the one of the nicest foot saves I've ever seen. And he really, man, oh God, there are just so many points in the game where it could have gone either way. And the fact that, you know, ultimately Argentina um, pulled through and got it done for Messi, it truly was special. But I'm telling you right now, Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe is, is here to stay. Um, he also won a World Cup title when he was 19 in last, uh, the last World Cup. But I will say he is going to be the next one to watch out. He's the, the next Messi, the next Ronaldo. That guy is is going to be the the best in the world here shortly if he is not already and i also thought it was a cool scene that the the president of france came down onto the field 
and he's consoling the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just tells you how important soccer is in 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 all throughout Europe, but especially France. And I mean, imagine Joe Biden coming out on the field and you know uh, <laughs> consoling Matt Ryan after after uh, the Patriots come back and beat him in the Super Bowl. It's just something you, you can't even imagine. But uh, Matt, did you get a chance to uh, to to see the the match? Um, no, I didn't. I read about it, <laughs> and I think that's all. That's all great. It's all good. It's all wonderful. Um, and I appreciate the suggestion, Christian. But I'm probably not going to make a big effort to go watch it again. Come on, I do man. understand the global <laughs> significance of it, but I'd rather watch a replay of the uh, 1982 Alabama Auburn game. To be honest with you, a lot more <laughs> excitement in that than this soccer stuff. Where, oh, and you know what? Oh, I am going to. I am going to say this. I'm going to say this. Okay. Well, you two guys are soccer heads. Somebody's got to stand up. (laughs) No, Lars, you own that in Nebraska. Um, Anyway, um, a lot of people, and and Lars is one of them, and I don't know if Christian, are not huge baseball fans. And I maintain a lot of people are not baseball fans because they haven't taken the time to understand the true logistics of the game. I think a lot of that is true with soccer. Because I just see guys kicking a ball around trying to get into a net. But obviously, there is much more to this game than you just... I mean, the guys have got to be cutting each other off and blocking and all that kind of stuff, right? I just haven't been around it enough to enjoy it like y'all do. But I do think, is that a fair comparison of people that say they hate baseball? It's probably because they don't know it. Yeah, uh, I think that's very fair. I mean... Uh... You know, I have uh, friends, and I, I believe you're one of them, Matt. That you like to keep your, the scorecard going, right? And uh, it, it, if I go to the watching. game, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. And to me, baseball is just so slow. I, I like watching baseball in the postseason, uh, and kind of same with the NBA. Uh, I watch NBA here and there, but um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of subtlety, nuance, and it, it, it sort of runs counter to this uh, American idea that we have to – there has to be a lot of scoring. There has to be, you know, uh, um, you know, 20 points uh, put up on the board and uh, b- before, you know, t- to make it exciting. But I'll talk to my European friends, and they don't understand American football. They don't understand the allure of it. They're like, wait, you guys just you, – you crash into each other, and then the play stops? You know, <laughs> because soccer doesn't stop, right? You're going to keep going and going and going, and so uh, that that's the sort of the car- counter argument that uh, I got. A, I got a buddy who lives over in Paris, and that's what he has made to me. I don't know if you've heard that one, Christian. Well, I was going to say to your point. I think they also, you know, rugby is a lot more familiar with them overseas, and I think when they watch American football, they're just kind of confused because they what they see is similar to football is uh, rugby. And in their heads, they're saying, they're saying, "Oh well, you know, rugby. We don't we don't wear pads. We we're just tackling in this, you know, full on, just going all the time." So I think they just prefer rugby over it. But um, you know, I, again, I, I think like y'all mentioned, a lot of sports you just get a lot of flack when people aren't real familiar with them and they haven't really had the chance to dive into them and understand them and understand the cultures behind them. But if you really, you know, embrace them again, Matt, I, I guarantee you, if you were to go to a big time soccer match specifically probably overseas when you could really you know embrace an atmosphere like those crowds are oh my goodness man i I think think you might become a fan 
It, it's it's truly special, man. Uh either that or I would become a hooligan. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. I already am a hooligan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, we can continue this talk. It's quite a spirited one. And I'm not anti-soccer. I also think this has something to do with it. Uh, what happens when you're a kid? And I'll explain that, and we'll take some phone calls on the other side of this break. If you'd like to join us, call 205-342-9904. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama, Alabama sports. sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20. So am I, because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in. And tomorrow, cloudy and cold. A few periods of light rain are likely. The low tonight, 37. The high tomorrow at 46. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News Sports. Appreciate everybody joining us. I'm going to take a phone call. Steve, hang on just a minute. But want to make another point as we uh, go back and forth on, on soccer. Um, not a big fan here. Lars and Christian are. They loved the, the finals. Uh, I heard about it. It must have been quite exciting. But here's one of the things, and, and I think it can be true for other sports as well, Um I didn't grow up in an era where you got a soccer ball and kicked it around in the backyard. Um, we were always playing football, basketball, and baseball. That's what we did. Um, and I love the game of hockey, but you're in Alabama. You're not going to grow up playing hockey either. So uh, I, I, I think that may have to do with my love or lack of love for some of these games. But I also think, I, I really believe this, that because of the love that the American kids have for these other sports and not soccer, and it has grown, but I don't know many kids that uh, like are my grandchildren's age that are thinking about growing up to be a soccer. They all want to play in the NFL, Lars. Does Lincoln want to play soccer, or does he want to be Tom Brady? He wants to be Joe Burrow. Come on. Um, <laughs> but he, right. My he, bad. Uh, Flag. Is not, he's not interested in soccer at all. And I think you make a, a, a really good point because the best young athletes in the United States do not go and play soccer. They're playing basketball and they're playing football. And, uh, you know, uh, like what if uh, Tyreek Hill – had started playing soccer at age five instead of playing baseball or uh, football, excuse me, uh, you know, and just having that sort of incredible speed on the field. Uh, it's it, so I, I, I think just the way things are set up, it, 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 it will be hard for the United States to ever become an elite soccer power because of just the, the tradition Right. I mean, soccer is not really an an American game, so to speak. And 
And so uh, I think, like I said, you're going to have your best young athletes going to play other sports. And uh, Christian, I mean, that that's sort of my my just my my take on it. And I, I know it is more complex than that as to why the United States isn't as good as we probably should be. But uh, I, I think that is the sort of most basic explanation. No, you're right. It, it definitely is a lot more convoluted than that. But I think you guys made great points, especially with, uh, or at least with hockey. I'll give an example. You know, growing up in South Carolina, we did not have hockey. So I, I hardly knew it. Well, I mean, I knew about it, right? But I never played it, never had really any experience with it. So I'll, I'll meet people now who are huge into it, and they're talking about the Stanley Cup and all these things. And I'll be honest, I don't really know much about it. You know, I know, you know, in North Carolina, there's a hockey team, but in South Carolina, we didn't have one and then no one really played it. So I didn't know much about it and I didn't have too much interest. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, I just, I just wish, you know, at me as a soccer fan, I just, I wish we would, you know, implement it a lot more in our youth sports and, and make it more of a priority just because watching these other countries on this world stage, um, just be so much further along than us is sometimes just kind of disappointing because I would love to be able to see the United States, um, make a World Cup final. I mean, I feel like it would be amazing. I think it would do so much for the sport itself. And, and that probably yeah. would actually get a lot more kids involved. Um, and, and, and maybe that will happen one day. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's a great point, but I just think it's a long way before uh, the United States can catch up with the athleticism and you know the soccer prowess of, of teams around the around Earth. Uh, let's take a phone call, maybe about this particular topic or Bryce and Anderson, whatever the case may be. Uh, let's go to Steve, who is dialed in at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. Hey, Steve. Hey, Matt. How you doing, buddy? Life is great. I, it's hard to improve on Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, in many ways. <laughs> in many ways. I happen to agree with you 100%. Uh, baseball, um, <clears throat> I think you and I are closer to the same age than the rest of them. I'm 61, and you're probably in your mid. Yeah, we're I think real what close. You, well, yeah, <laughs> I won't mention you're good. But, you know, I'm a, I, I used to... Do you remember when Joe Morgan, John Miller did the Sunday night game of baseball? I sure do. You know, I used to, uh, <laughs> I, I used to get in my bedroom away from my wife where she could watch the other television and, and iron my clothes for month, uh, for the rest of the week watching Sunday night baseball. I think <laughs> it's just my opinion. <clears throat> um, there's nothing else. There are, there's nothing else to offer in these European countries. You know, you might have basketball, but they pale in comparison. And, uh, I'm, I'm for hockey if that's what they want to do. But I, I'm like you, Matt. I, I'm not going to rush home from the grocery store just to watch a soccer game. <clears throat> and, um, it, it aggravates some, but now I'm, I'm not there. Uh, maybe no, I'll grow into either. it. With, with my partners, with my partners <laughs> urging, maybe I'll grow into it. Well, I, I, I know hockey, hockey has its place, and that might explain why we don't, why the USA doesn't do a whole lot. There's more professional sports to offer. Um, True. You know, football, baseball, yeah. basketball. No, I, I think that's a great point, but, uh, 
also you you look at the u.s women's team where are they ranked in the world they're number one <laughs> we have the best women's team in the world and now is that a reflection of the fact that there aren't as many women's professional sports leagues in the united states absolutely i'd argue i'd argue i agree agree with that 100 percent. i agree with that and i watched women's softball uh well you know college um and i feel bad for them because they are such great athletes on these on these uh collegiate softball teams and their next level is is barely barely known and there is there is professional softball you just never hear about it. So their 15 minutes of fame is only in the college, is only at the collegiate level. And that breaks my heart because there are a lot, a lot of good past, uh, uh, women's softball players. Great. Oh, and I love, man, I love watching women's softball. Uh, I, do. I do too. I do too. Yeah. It's a mini baseball game in 90, 90 minutes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't start watching women's softball till probably about three or four years ago, and I and I started in on the the World Series, uh, in uh, uh, the women's series, and I could not turn it off. I simply could not turn turn off because that was that was you know that, that was some great athleticism, and I'm not I'm not trying to diminish women. As athletes, they are. They're 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 huge athletes. Um, but anyway, I'll get off on another tangent. I, I happen to agree with you on soccer. I'm not I'm not wishing its demise. I just think the USA is struggling because there's too much else out there. Great stuff, Steve. Thanks for your call. We'll talk to you Appreciate again later you. this week. Appreciate time, guys. I, I, I do think there's growth. There's growth in that area when you've got a three-man show and two of the three were involved and excited and watching. I maintained 10 years ago in Sports Talk Radio that wouldn't happen. However, the one most impressive thing about Steve's phone call was that he irons his own clothes. I'm with <laughs> you on that, too. We'll be back with Andrew Bone. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. Let on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? For visibility. Back on Big Noon Sports, being joined by Andrew Bone, Bam Insider. Appreciate him joining us to talk recruiting. Hey, Bone, I'm you know, sitting here thinking about bringing you in and how different your job is now than it was four years ago. It, it, am I right? I mean, now you've got to keep up with some of this transfer portal stuff, uh, the all of the NI. I don't know if you keep up with the NIL, but certainly that has an influence on recruiting. Uh, did you have to add a few more hours to your day? 
<laughs> you know, I've always been a, uh, I've always been a guy that you know kind of works throughout the day and evening. But man, I'll tell you what, with everything that, that that's going on now in the uh, in the world of college football, I mean, you know, I, I don't necessarily cover the Alabama football team. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of time spent on, on everything else, though, and, uh, and it certainly can take up most of your day and, and evening. So it's been a uh, it's been a pretty big change over the course of the last couple of years with uh, with NIL, uh, with transfer portal, um, obviously with recruiting, and you know, recruiting is a lot tougher to predict now um, because of the transfer portal, because of NIL. Um, it's it's almost a miracle when you get predictions right in this uh, in this industry now. But uh, we try to stay on top of it. I, I feel like we do a pretty uh, pretty good job in that regard. But it's definitely a um, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. You gotta you, you gotta stay on it pretty pretty regularly, and because um, and, and, it can change in, in a heartbeat. All right, Andrew, uh, just give us uh, the, the big picture and the latest and greatest of what's going on with Alabama recruiting as we near the signing date. Well, things are uh, you know moving in the right direction for, for Alabama. You know, they currently have 24 commitments. They actually I say that it's moving in the right direction. They, of course, lost the commitment yesterday, uh, Raymond Polito, which we kind of expected. We kind of knew that that was going to happen. Known that for about you know, probably four or five weeks, he decided to um, you know, confirm the news last night and tell us that he had decommitted from Alabama, which had happened, uh, you know, probably around uh, the time of the Iron Bowl. Decommitted, uh, wanted to stay closer to home. Uh, you know, that was kind of the big factor. He's a West Coast kid uh, from California. You know, just didn't really, really want to go too far away. Took an official visit to Arizona. Uh, last weekend, and you know, Arizona ended up being kind of the be- better fit for him. Yeah, I don't think Alabama, you know, necessarily is you know really upset. I think you know they wanted him in the class originally. Uh, you know, things just kind of went uh, in a different direction, and you know, they were fine with it. And I think they're going to have a good chance to potentially replace him uh, this week with a five-star recruit. Uh, that's Caden Proctor, five-star offensive tackle out of uh, Iowa been committed to Iowa since late June, uh, ended up coming into Tuscaloosa this past weekend, uh, spent Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Alabama campus. Uh, and this wasn't his first trip to Alabama. He took his official visit back in June, visited Alabama a couple other times. Alabama was in that top two for him when he made that decision for Iowa. And we kind of saw Iowa you know, not really perform at a high level this uh, this football season. There's been a lot of uh, you know talk about uh, you know what's going on up there uh, as far as their offense. It's just a lot of a lot of big question marks. I think that really opened up the door for some other schools uh, with Caden Proctor, especially Alabama. And they never stopped recruiting him. They continued to heavily pursue him uh, after he committed, and I think that's you know what has kept them squarely in the race for uh, for his commitment. And he's going to be announcing likely sometime on Wednesday morning. And I've recently put in a prediction for him to flip from Iowa to Alabama. So we'll see uh, how that shakes out uh, over the course of the next uh, couple of days. But, you know, Alabama's going to have a really good chance to close, um, you know, with an unbelievable class. They already have an unbelievable class, number one class in the country, according to On3 Sports. Uh, I think they're number one pretty much everywhere else. But, 
uh, there's still some big names that are out there. And I mentioned Caden Proctor. You've got the uh, two outstanding players in Montgomery, the top two players in the state, but they're also the number one players at their position. Quay Rousseau, the number one linebacker in the country. James Smith, the number one defensive lineman in the country. These are priority targets for Alabama, have been for a very long time. Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, you know, all really fighting hard to get their commitment. I do think they're going to end up staying in state. Uh, James Smith took a visit to Auburn this past weekend while Quay Rousseau decided to stay home. Both of them plan on playing together in college. That's always been the plan. and Kids talk about that all the time. Nine times out of ten, they end up going separate ways. These two, pretty much locked locked in to go into the same school. There's no, not going to be any um, any change there, in my opinion. Um, you know, just from talking to people close to them, they don't expect that to happen. They're both planning on playing uh, together in college. So you get those two guys on board. You get Caden Proctor on board. That's three, potentially uh, three additional five stars in your recruiting class to go on top of what you already have. So uh, that would be an unbelievable finish for Alabama, but you know those are also not the only guys they're going after. There's still some uh, cornerbacks that they're recruiting, including Desmond Ricks, the five-star out of IMG, uh, Damari Brown, who's a four-star out of uh, South Florida, uh, American Heritage High School. Uh, you also have a uh, tight end target, Luke Haas, uh, who is cu- currently committed to Arkansas, but uh, we saw Arkansas's tight ends coach recently take a uh, – South Carolina offensive coordinator position. I think it's opened up the door for Alabama there, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see uh, what happens. Uh, you know, probably on signing day. I don't think we're going to see anything before then. Of course, you always have to worry about guys who are committed to you, uh, guys who have continued to take visits or talk to other programs. You know, Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, the top two recruits in the state of Georgia, both five stars. Justice Haynes had the in-home visit with Nick Saban last week decided to cancel his in-home visits with Georgia and Ohio State. Feel really good about Alabama keeping him uh, on board this uh, this week. And then you know, kind of the same thing with Caleb Downs. Caleb had an in-home with Nick Saban on Monday night, but he still allowed Ryan Day and Ohio State to come into his home on Tuesday and you know make one final pitch to him. But after that trip or after that visit, feel a lot better about Alabama keeping him on board and, and, and definitely expect – uh, Caleb Downs to sign with Alabama. The one commit that we are still kind of watching is Tony Mitchell, uh, four-star safety out of Thompson High School here in Alabama. Has been committed to Alabama since June, but has taken several visits to Texas A&M, has taken a few visits to Auburn, was in College Station this past weekend. We know that he has a, been a priority target for those two schools as well. But you know, with Alabama, yeah, I still think that they're – really good shape to keep him on board you know i I do think that anything is possible with tony because he's kept people kind of guessing throughout his entire recruitment but in the end i do think he's going to end up signing with alabama alabama will you know in my opinion end up with the top recruiting class in the country and and definitely one of the highest rated recruiting classes um in the nick saban era so you know definitely uh definitely a lot of excitement um you know, on the Alabama message boards this week, getting uh, ready for this uh, this big signing day coming up on Wednesday. Andrew, I'm just curious. You know, with the enactment of the early signing day um, that we see now, this, this you know December 21st to be this Wednesday. Um, 
you know, the, the lion's share of recruits are being signed in that time period. And, and I just was curious, how does that affect the recruits who choose to wait until the traditional February signing day? Does that mean they potentially lose spots at schools or how does that work? Yeah, it just kind of depends case by case. I, mean, I think with Alabama, it's the majority, if not all of its targets, will sign with uh, you know Alabama on Wednesday. You're not going to see you know, really many of those kids still out there, still available, still waiting. There, there's one player right now who we're just not sure about as far as signing on Wednesday or waiting until February. That's Centurion Perkins. He's a uh, uh, number one linebacker, uh, our number one, excuse me, number one recruit out of the state of Mississippi, currently committed to Ole Miss. Now, Centurion came out last week, said that he was 1,000% committed to Ole Miss, but the next day, Alabama had another in-home visit with him, so they're continuing to chip away there, continuing to recruit. Um, if he decides to wait it out until February, then you know Alabama's going to be in play. Now, if he decides to go ahead and sign this week, I definitely think it's going to be Ole Miss. But he, as of right now, he's probably the only guy that is considering a, a, you know, waiting until February to sign. Now, I do think once we kind of get it through this early signing period, Alabama will probably you know reassess, look and see you know who's still out there. If there's any positions that they still need to add somebody um, at, or you know look into the transfer portal. Uh, you know, they miss out on a defensive alignment. Let's look into the transfer portal, or you know see who might still be available in the high school ranks. You know. The, it's kind of the good thing about the transfer portal now. You don't necessarily have to go to a, you know, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D type player. You, you know, you miss on some guys at high school. You can go recruit, you know, really good players in the portal. So that's something I think Alabama will look into. Um, but as of right now, Perkins would probably be the only potential recruit waiting until February that Alabama would uh, would hold a spot for. Hey, how can people get in touch with you, Andrew? Well, you can go to BamaInsider.com, subscribe today. It's only $10 for an entire year. Uh, so go on there, check it out. We've got up, we'll have our mock recruiting classes, final predictions. We'll have, we got, uh, you know, our insider report live recruiting chat going on right now on Bama Insider. So, uh, so go check us out. You can always follow me on my Twitter handle, uh, at Andrew, the letter J Bone. So Andrew J Bone on Twitter. Thank you, Andrew. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon as you get busier and busier and Wednesday gets closer and closer. Thanks, Bone. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Kind of off the front page, there's a story I read this morning about Lloyd Mary Mayweather's daughter. It's a... It's quite, in my opinion, it's quite troubling. We'll talk about it in a minute. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Have you been naughty or nice this year? Cash don't care. At Jackson Hewitt, you could still get up to $4,500 for the holidays. Some bucks now, more bucks in January. 
tonight and tomorrow, cloudy and cold. A few periods of light rain are likely. The low tonight, 37. The high tomorrow at 46. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller as we wrap up this show. Appreciate everybody dialing us up, dialing us in, and dialing us on the phone as well. Um, just one of those stories that popped up this morning, doing a little research. Um, a story about Ayana Mayweather, that is uh, Floyd Mayweather's 22-year-old daughter. Uh, she was arrested a while back for stabbing a girl. With a knife, obviously, but stabbed a girl. Um, And now I'm reading that her plea is six years probation and 40 hours community service. I know this is bordering on political with the state of our nation today, but wow, that seemed light to me. She tried to kill a woman. Yeah, doing any, and, and you, if you look into the details of it, too, um, first off, she was facing possible 20-year prison sentence. And what happened was, according to the police report, is that she went to the home of Kentrell Deshaun Galden, and he's a rapper. He's known as NBA Young Boy. And she, uh, Mayweather, she has a child with him. And the victim... In this case, a 35-year-old woman also has a child with him. And the victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries uh, and lacerations to her arm. Uh, but according to various ports, reports, Mayweather went to Galton's house to confront the victim and tell her that she was his fiance. And then in the kitchen of the house, she Mayweather uh, grabbed two knives and went after her. So... To get six months probation for uh, this attack, uh, you know, apparently unprovoked, you're right. It seems light. I guess the fact that his – is is it because Floyd Mayweather is um, her dad? Money factor in here? I I guess so. I mean, I don't know how it would. This is uh, he wouldn't play a role in this at all because it's not a, a civil suit. I mean, this is uh, this is criminal. Uh, but you know, we probably just don't know all all the facts. These are just reports that I, that I've read about it, and uh, it, it certainly sounds like an incredibly light sentence. But uh, again, we don't know sort of everything that transpired. All right, I'm not going to wrap up on that note. Christian, <laughs> my Packers, my Packers or the Rams tonight? Oh, man. Oh, gosh, that's tough. Uh, where's it Where's it being played? Would it, be, would it be safe to say that both of these teams have been a major disappointment and that Monday Night Football is probably not happy that they're on the schedule? Um, <laughs> I feel like know, I feel like I feel like all, I feel like the, all the primetime games have been pretty. Um, I don't know. Been letdowns this year. At least the Thursday night games they have been bad. 
the Thursday night games have been. I, uh, Amazon is probably very frustrated <laughs> with those games that we've seen. Uh, to answer your question, I, I'm gonna go. With, it's, it's in Green Bay. I'm gonna go with Green Bay. I know Baker Mayfield had the miracle fourth quarter last week. I think it was last week that they played, but I just yeah, I don't I don't see that happening twice. I think that I, yeah, I agree with you, Christian. I I like Green Bay big in this one. Um, you know, the Rams are without Cooper Cup. Uh, they've shut down Stafford. They looks like they're they're shutting down Aaron Donald. Uh, I think they're just sort of you know throwing in the towel on the season. Uh, other than Baker Mayfield, who is playing for a, a try to get a big contract for for next year, but um, I think Green Bay playing at home Monday night. Uh, this is uh, this has got Packers victory written all over it. So therefore, I'm sure the Rams will win because, as we know, I'm the worst <laughs> person in the world when it comes to forecasting uh, a game. What do you think, Matt? I like my Packers just based on the weather here. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been anything but inconsistent. And uh, there's no telling how he's going to play tonight. But you got to figure the frozen tundra at Landro, uh, Lambeau and the fact that uh, this is a team that practices in 75-degree weather. Um, the indications lean towards Green Bay. What is the line, Lars? Ah. Uh. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I thought maybe you would know readily, so I'm um, pressing you for details. I, I think uh, Green Bay is negative three forty-five, whatever, whatever that means. You know, I'm not a gambling uh, yeah. expert. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I'm sorry. Oh, excuse what me. Yeah, Green Bay is negative three forty-five. I don't know. I'll let you guys handle that one. <laughs> uh, seven and a half. Is that what you're telling me, Josh? Seven and a half, Green Bay. So, seven and a half. We'll see how yep, that works. Seven and a half. Yep. That half point is big. So, uh, but I, I definitely like Green Bay in this game. I think, and I think Green Bay will cover. I, I'm not going to have adequate enough time. I'm going to ask you this question anyway. When these teams play in the World Cup, they represent their nations. Can you go get players from other nations, or do you have to be born in that country? Have to be a citizen there, or yeah, born or born or citizen. One of those large, you might. Yeah, you, you have to have citizenship. Yeah, uh, there have been players uh, that have played for the United States that were born in another country, but then they become naturalized citizens, and so yeah, you just have to have citizenship in the country for which you are playing. And and I wondered that because there's a guy in France that is the new superstar, yet his last name is Mbappe. I don't is see from Paris. All right. On that note, we will wrap up Big Noon Sports. Be back tomorrow at noon. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices 